everyone, and welcome to Oscar Wilde, a podcast about film, always counting down to next year's Oscars. I'm Sophia Simonello. And I'm Nick Rokraut. Today we'll be reviewing Encanto, House of Gucci, The Humans, and Tick, Tick, Boom. Wide variety of movies here. I'm excited to mm-hmm. dig into these, especially House of Gucci, I will say. <laughs> That's the one we've been talking about for the longest time, and I guess in a way it definitely lived up to the hype. There's a lot to talk about there. I think with all of these movies, they attracted a different audience for Thanksgiving. So we've seen a few box office numbers already come in. And I think Encanto and House of Gucci were the top two for the weekend. That's right. Encanto, I mean, that was pretty obvious, I think, right? Having a Disney movie be the box office leader. But Mm -hmm. House of Gucci, I mean, it proved that Lady Gaga can open a movie. It did really well. And I'll say just for my screening alone... It was packed. I went the Tuesday night before Thanksgiving. So it was like when it opened. It was the first showing um, at my theater. Went with my family. And we'll get to this more when we talk about (laughs) what that experience was like. But everyone was super excited. Got there really early for the screening. So it it felt almost like that Mm pre-pandemic movie going time. Well, before we get to House of Gucci, we're going to start with Encanto. Description. The Madrigals are an extraordinary family who live hidden in the mountains of Colombia in a charmed place called the Encanto. The magic of the Encanto has blessed every child in the family with a unique gift. Every child except Mirabel. However, she soon may be the Madrigal's last hope when she discovers that the magic surrounding the Encanto is now in danger. It was directed by Byron Howard and Jared Bush and stars Stephanie Beatrice, John Leguizamo, Diane Guerrero, and Wilmer Valderrama. Throwback. Truly. I think for me, Encanto was too much of a kid's movie, and I was kind of underwhelmed by it. I've seen some people who really, really love it, but this is not top-tier Disney for me. Not starting on a high note, but how did you feel about this one? I felt really similarly. When I was sitting there, I just thought to myself, like, I think I'm 20 years too old for this movie. And that's okay. Like, I'm not the target audience here. Like, children are mm. definitely the target audience. This is a movie for families, not me going by myself after work on a weeknight. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I think it has a good message in the story and one that, like, a lot of kids hopefully can take away from this. But it was lacking what's special about the early Disney movies to me. And one, I found the songs to be kind of dull and I'm not going to remember any of these songs. Like none of them are stuck in my head. The music in this movie, I think let's just start there. It's very clearly, you know, Lin-Manuel Miranda, like he has his fingerprints all over this movie. He Mm -hmm. wrote these songs, but they almost just sound like he had so much going on that he needed to like get them finished quickly. And you can kind of like see the traces of Hamilton in some of them. There was one song at the end when Dolores, the cousin, reminds me actually of Angelica from Hamilton, the way she's singing. Mm -hmm. So you can kind of see traces of Hamilton and Moana there, but those are far superior. Just the earworm quality that those have, this just didn't do that for me. And that was unfortunate because I was looking forward to the music. That cousin, I almost thought she was Renee Elise Goldsberry because of how she looked and then also her voice. I really do agree with everything you've said. I left the theater and I was like, I don't remember a single song I just listened to. Yeah. I mean, for me, I probably wouldn't nominate any of the songs and I wouldn't even be sad if this didn't make 
best animated feature, which I know is sad, but I think I would nominate Raya over this. Going back to the music, lots of Hamilton threads throughout, and I don't know, there just wasn't a draw for me. And that's kind of how the movie felt. Like there wasn't this big climax that I expected from a Disney movie really tugging at your heartstrings and throwing you into this environment. Maybe that was because there was so much going on too. Like in the music, I felt like it kept coming back to her sisters when there were so many other people in her family with gifts. And maybe that's why this was made for kids. Like they were reiterating certain things so many times. But to me, that got annoying. (laughs) Right. It's like we're like adults watching this movie. Like we don't need the repetition. But for kids, they thrive on repetition. I did laugh a few times, but I think the sequence that was most fun to me was the Bruno part. I was thinking of that too. I think that Mirabelle relating to Bruno is like being this sort of outcast in the family because she doesn't have a gift like the other people in her family. And Mm -hmm. Bruno, he chose to kind of exile himself and his family exiled him in a way, right? Because of his gift and I liked their connection, and I, I feel like that was the strongest part of the movie, and I wish that we had spent more time there instead of giving the sisters two songs to describe how their gifts were actually things that stressed them out, and mm-hmm. I feel like that could have been like a plot detail that didn't need to take up as much time, even though like I know people are in it for the music and the songs and whatnot, but I was also surprised that the ending was wrapped up so quickly. I feel like if we would have had like the crack in the house and like the magic go out a little bit earlier and it would have taken a bit longer for them to realize like what the problem was like at the core of this family Mm -hmm. and what had been broken in the family. I feel like it would have had a more rewarding end to it. Yeah, it was like she saw the butterfly and everything was solved. I was like, wait, how did we get from A to Z this quickly? (laughs) Yeah, it was very rushed by the end. I mean, I was very excited for it to be over, but I (laughs) at that point, but the pacing was strange to me, but there were children and their parents in my theater and they did really seem to enjoy it. So Mm -hmm. I think it works on its intended audience, which is good. But I just also feel like this entire movie, right? It's about this, this magical place, this miraculous thing that came from nothing and Mm -hmm that has lasted them for generations and now the magic is gone. It just feels like a metaphor for Disney to me. (laughs) That old Disney magic is just not there anymore with these new ones to me. Like, so I hope they can get it back like the Madrigals do. (laughs) The other part that was hard for me is that I foresaw the ending way too early. And I think with a lot of Disney movies, you think, you know, what's going to happen and something totally different happens. Even if, they kind of end up in the same place. And from the beginning, I felt like, oh, you know, the abuela and Mirabel, they need to reconcile and she needs to reconcile with her sisters. And you know, she's going to have this gift. And I was like, I think she's going to be the one to bring everything back together. And I was like, that's it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It had a lot of potential. Just like didn't Mm -hmm. go there for me. But it was cute. I mean, it is lower tier Disney to me. Mm -hmm. And bringing in the Hispanic traditions and the meanings of family to them and everything they're introducing, the language, you know, mixing between English and Spanish. I liked all of those things, but 
felt like the story was lacking. The characters maybe even lacking a little bit. I did love like her big family and learning about them throughout, especially like through some of the other songs. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I just wanted more from it. And that, again, is a flaw of me being too old for this movie. <laughs> I think I'm more enticed by the forest in The Nightmare Before Christmas of those doors than wanting to go into all of the family members' doors here. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> so would you recommend this movie? If you have children, if you like animated movies, if you follow Disney wholeheartedly, yes, go see it. It's a cute time. You don't really have to think too much. But if you're looking for like top tier Disney, this is not like the originals, like you've said. So beware. I agree. I hope that no one under the age of 10 listens to this podcast. But (laughs) (laughs) if they found a way, like sure, I would recommend it. I was expecting something more like Frozen or Moana or Tangled, like one Mm -hmm. of those kind of new generation movies. And it just, it didn't live up to those for me, unfortunately. Multiple times throughout, I was like, I wish I were watching Moana right now. Yeah. And then Oscar wise, what potential do you think it has? I've mentioned animated feature. We've talked about original song a little bit on earlier podcasts, but Do you think it has more potential here? I don't really think this has potential in any category besides animated feature. Song is really crowded with big names like Beyonce, Billie Eilish, like Diane Warren could come back, Jennifer Hudson. Like we have a lot of competition there. And Lin-Manuel Miranda is another project that we will be talking about Mm. that is better than this one. So Animated feature is really where I have it. I hope that this doesn't win. To me, like, there are at least two contenders that are stronger than this, Luca and Flea. But I do think this will get in. For Luca's sake alone, I hope there's a resurgence towards it so it can be Mm -hmm. released in theaters, finally. That would Mm -hmm. make me really happy. I don't think this is going to win. Will it get nominated? Probably, because Luca's a Pixar and this is Disney animation, so... We have seen both being nominated in the past in the same year. I'm fine with that. I would be very happy with, I think, Luca or Flea would win over Encanto. And if you could give this movie one Oscar, what would it be? Can I give it production design? (laughs) I feel like that would just be the animation. (laughs) I'm just maybe, you know what? I'm just going to cheat and be like, I'll give it an Annie Award somewhere. One of those categories. It can win one of those. If there were like a songwriter category, I would give it to Lynn so he can EGOT finally, but I wouldn't give it animated feature. Okay. It's a time. (laughs) (laughs) For House of Gucci. (laughs) Description here. When Patrizia Reggiani, an outsider from humble beginnings. (laughs) Sorry, I'm not going to be able to get through this. marries into the Gucci family, her unbridled ambition begins to unravel the family legacy and triggers a reckless spiral of betrayal, decadence, revenge, and ultimately murder. It was directed by Ridley Scott, and it stars the Lady Gaga, Adam Driver, Jared Leto, Al Pacino, Jeremy Irons, and Salma Hayek. Where do we even begin with House of Gucci? I think first, just box office-wise, so we teased this at the beginning... House of Gucci debuted with 14.2 million over the three day weekend and 21.8 million across five days, which is a really strong opener for an adult drama that is not 
like IP based. Like this isn't a comic book movie. So I think mm-hmm. that in itself is really exciting. Um, according to MGM, 59% of the audience was female and 45% were between the ages of 18 and 35. And 34% were 45 or older, which is a higher turnout among older moviegoers than most releases have seen hmm. since the pandemic. So I feel like those are just unique things to call out, especially because we've been in such a weird time. And to see a movie like this be successful, I think especially from Ridley Scott after The Last Duel bombed. I'm going to ask you right off the bat, did you prefer The Last Duel or House of Gucci? This is shocking, but I'm going to say The Last Duel. (laughs) And that hurts to say that. Gaga is the star. Gaga is the reason to see this movie. Gaga is it for me. Everything else was so dull. I don't understand how they could have turned such an exciting murder revenge story into what felt like the longest viewing experience in a very long time. This movie felt longer than Drive My Car to me. Mm -hmm. It felt so long. It just kept going and... I realized when I was watching it, too, I was like, okay, like, five things from the trailer haven't happened yet. This is a bad sign. Like, we still have to get to the ski gear. We still have to get Mm -hmm. to the mud bath. We still have to, like, I just kept (laughs) thinking of moments from the trailer that we hadn't gotten to yet. And I was like, this is a really long movie. And it's not, the runtime itself, like, I'm fine with two and a half hours. Like, Mm -hmm. give me more two and a half hour movies. Love them. The look in this movie is so drab. Like, it's the colors that are used. Like, it's very gray and moody. And it immediately brought to mind, like, an 80s erotic thriller, like Fatal Attraction or Basic Instinct, like those 80s, 90s movies that I would watch on TNT when I was, like, homesick (laughs) homesick from school. (laughs) And I was excited for that, especially at the beginning. I think the beginning of this movie is great. I love when... Mm -hmm. Lady Gaga and Adam Driver meet, and she's so good in those scenes. You can almost see the dollar signs flashing in her eyes when she meets him. Mm-hmm. And he's so weird. Like, I just, I loved their connection right away. Mm-hmm. And it was funny, and I loved Lady Gaga's clothes. I was like, okay, this is what I want from this movie. But then Ridley Scott, he wanted the movie to be different from what the trailer made it seem like the movie was going to be. Like, Mm -hmm. I thought this was going to be this, like, fun camp fest, and it was not that. He, I think, wanted to make it this really serious drama about this dynasty. And I really didn't need, like, all of the side conversations between, like, Aldo and Paolo Gucci about finances or the investor meetings. That's not really what I wanted. I wanted fashion to really, like, be the main character of the story. Mm Mm-hmm. Sometimes it felt like that to me, but most of the time it didn't. It felt like it was just trying to cover way too much, like, sprawling ground. Yeah. He was trying to set up so much story and tell every little detail that happened. But when you have a movie where nobody has an Italian accent, you have to understand what it's going to become. And a lot of it just wasn't as serious as he probably hoped it would have been. Like, the way he frames it by hearing Maurizio right in the beginning and he turns and then it cuts to the very beginning like that tells you enough like he is doing more in that one scene alone Mm -hmm. using cinematic techniques than he does the entire movie yeah 
what's hard is that I will say, like, Ridley Scott's a good director. Like, he has made great films before. I love Alien. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And he's also really capable of making epics. I mean, Gladiator won Best Picture. But to have an epic, you need some action in there. You need individual scenes that keep you invested in the movie and i do think if lady gaga would have been in every scene in this movie or if they would have cut the scenes that she wasn't in i would have really liked it definitely liked it a lot more than i did because she to me was the core of the movie and when she wasn't around i missed her another thing is like i was really on board with what these actors were doing they were so committed and silly and all over the place and it was kind of refreshing to see that and i was entertained by their performances Mm -hmm. like yes even jared leto whatever he was doing like it was fun to watch (laughs) as an italian american i am not offended by jared leto's performance (laughs) it is fine (laughs) it felt that the actors were put in a movie that they didn't want to be in like, they had their own idea, or their own ideas, really, all separately, yeah. of what movie this mm-hmm. was. And then they got there, and Ridley's like, we're making a serious epic drama about a family dynasty, and it's rise and fall and murder. And they're like, we want to be in a Paul Verhoeven movie. <laughs> yes. And that's how we're going to act. <laughs> Another part that was hard for me was the music. It was so jarring. Again, another component where I don't know if he was trying to make these juxtapositions and bring some relief with these heavy moments, but the one that just really was so bad to me was... I wonder if we have the same one. Faith over the wedding sequence. I think the words were so literal, like I get it, but that switch in the movie was so bad. And that was really early on. Yeah. Mine was the cover of... I'm a believer in Italian. (laughs) It was really, really bad. Oh, God. Yeah, the music, there was a lot of it, too. It was, like, similar Mm -hmm. to Cruella, where we just had a lot of needle drops, like, needle drop after needle drop. Like, the jarring music does fit with what kind of movie I think the actors wanted this to be. Like, everyone is just at odds with each other here. But there were scenes, like, I did really love because they were so funny. Just because of their soap opera-like quality, like there's a shot of Adam Driver staring at his wedding picture with a candelabra lit and he's wearing a robe and I cackled. I was like, what are we watching? Days of our lives? Like what is going on here? (laughs) But I wanted more of that. Like I did not want the legal stuff. I wanted all soap opera. But like all the Selma Hayek scenes, I wanted more because of Lady Gaga and her in them. The fact that she ended up playing a psychic that alone like all of these things none of this is serious and her bright red hair the fact that patrizia keeps going back to her and they have this like really close friendship i think we need to talk about the sex scene (laughs) in a similar way that i made you talk about the sex scenes in annette so okay leading up to this i had like seen on twitter like this adam driver is like literally dirty in this scene like covered in dirt And I saw that interview where they asked him about it and he was like, we were feeling it. And I'm like, what is happening? I need to see this in the movie, like to know what was going on. And it just exceeded all of my expectations in the worst ways. I could not stop laughing, like sitting next to my mom watching this with my can of wine. I was dying. We were both dying too. That was the worst part. Oh my God. I love that. Yeah, that was, um, that was a ride. 
Lady Gaga had a wild ride. (laughs) Would you recommend this movie? (sighs) No matter what I say, like I told multiple people, like this is one of the most boring movies I've seen this year. And they're like, I don't care. I'm going to see it for Lady Gaga. And that's what everybody Mm -hmm. is saying. So, you know, I'll Mm -hmm. say no, I don't recommend it, but everyone's going to go. And that's her power. Like she is going to run and she already has run a great campaign for this movie. She is the reason why it works. I agree. I mean, I will recommend it only because like if you go to it for Lady Gaga, like it is a Mm. time and it is an experience I think everyone should have this year. (laughs) I think it's required viewing for a movie going in 2021. I just feel like you have, I feel like you just have to experience it. You have to see if it works for you. And there are certain parts that really worked for me and other things that very much did not. But as far as like spectacle goes, she's worth it. Like seeing her in the role makes it worth it to me. I really do wish it was sub two hours because then it would be an okay movie. Then I would recommend it. There needs to be a critic's cut, not a director's cut. And it's going to be shorter. <laughs> I cannot believe that this isn't the director's cut, that there's more. <laughs> Okay, Oscar potential here. I think Lady Gaga is this movie's strongest case at the Oscars. Her, for sure. I know Best Actress is always Mm. crowded, but she, again, I mean, she runs a hell of a campaign, and she proved that she can open a movie. That is insane star power. You know, she gets share comparisons all the time. I wish that Lady Gaga would do more romantic comedies because i think she could really excel in that space we should put gaga and mamma mia like the next mamma mia she should be in it whatever she makes she's gonna have a great audience so i'm here for it i mean thinking of gaga in a moonstruck kind of movie absolutely also it's just so funny comparing her the house of gucci press tour to a star is born Mm -hmm. because She and Bradley Cooper, they had such great chemistry on the red carpet. She brought him up like every other word. Adam Driver is over it. He is playing along. He's being a good Mm -hmm. sport, but you can tell he is tired. (laughs) (laughs) Like he's not used to this kind of attention, I feel like, from a co-star. But that is her. It's funny to watch. So I think other categories most likely to get nominated is costume design. Yeah, we've talked about this before, too, of like when a movie is about clothing, right, or fashion, costume design is a likely place for it to end up. Mm-hmm. Cruella, Phantom Thread, etc. So I could see, I could definitely see that. The costumes are good, and it's the only moment in the movie where it doesn't look drab mm-hmm. is when you're looking at the clothes. Everyone so. looks so chic, and there are a lot of different outfits throughout. Like you talk about that one scene in the beginning where they meet, at the party it's so extravagant it's almost like that my fair lady new year's eve party everyone Mm -hmm. looks great but then you have suits and dresses and the ski gear and i think the variety of sets and locations really add to the costume's potential what okay so do you think lady gaga's getting in and then we're gonna rip off the band-aid and talk about jared leto (laughs) i think she's so close I wouldn't be surprised if she doesn't make it and the fact that this has gotten so much attention might help her a lot Mm-hmm. I'm going to say yes. This is 50-50. What about you? I'm going to say yes, too. I do see a world where she gets, like, Golden Globe sag. Like, she hits precursors mm-hmm. with actors and then misses at yeah. Oscar. Like, I could definitely see that happening. But I'm going to say she's in for now. 
she benefits, and maybe Jared Leto does too, from the best person in a bad movie narrative. Like, even if you don't like the movie, you can believe that she has a good performance. Mm -hmm. And, like, you can talk about that at least. So I could see her getting in. Who do you have winning best actress at this moment? Nobody. You can't hear Frances McDormand in your head saying Olivia (laughs) Coleman again. (laughs) She is who I have in my one spot. I don't think it's going to happen. I would love that. I am kind of seeing Nicole Kibner right now. I also have Nicole. Okay, Jared Leto. Is he getting in? Or let's, yeah, Jared Leto and then any of the other actors. I feel personally like the other actors. It's Lady Gaga and or Jared Leto or Bust. Like Adam Driver, Al Pacino, Jeremy Irons, Salma Hayek, not happening. I think my order of feeling assured goes costume design, Jared Leto, Lady Gaga. I think Jared Leto's getting in. Oh my. Yeah. It's just such a scary year because Bradley Cooper's around. Well, he's in for me too. I feel like Jared Leto, again, it's the same thing as last year. Like, even if people don't like the movie, it's just like with The Little Things, which I know he missed Oscar for, but got everything else. But The Little Things had nowhere near, like, the splashiness of House Mm -hmm. of Gucci, right? It didn't have the box office. It just dropped in the night on HBO Max (laughs) to horrible reviews. So I feel like Jared Leto is happening, Mm -hmm. too. And actors, I feel like, love this type of stuff. And I can see it playing well to the Mm -hmm. industry. So... I also have him in. So if you could give this movie one Oscar, what would you give it? I would give it costume design. What about you? I would do the same thing. Saying it's my favorite component of the movie seems like a dig at Lady Gaga, but I think that was what elevated the movie to me. Okay, our next movie is The Humans. Description. Eric Blake gathers three generations of his Pennsylvania family to celebrate Thanksgiving at his daughter's apartment in Lower Manhattan. As darkness falls and eerie things go bump in the night, the group's deepest fears are laid bare. It's directed by Stephen Karam and stars Richard Jenkins, Jane Howdyshell, Beanie Feldstein, Stephen Yoon, Amy Schumer, and June Squibb. What did you think of The Humans, A24's latest release? It definitely feels like an A24 movie, most notably to me, Hereditary. That's the vibe that I got from this. <laughs> it's not as like straight up horror as Hereditary, but it uses very like similar tricks, I think, to Hereditary to like achieve this sort of dread, to slowly unveil aspects of this family and what they're going through. I really enjoyed mm-hmm. that. Yeah, it really surprised me. I don't think the Academy is going to touch this with a 10-foot pole, not to step on our Oscar discussion later. But yeah, I really liked it. I think especially technically, I enjoyed the close-up shots of the like bubbling paint mm. on the wall and the pipes. And the sound design is just spectacular in this. And I think it also has a phenomenal ensemble. So I enjoy watching movies like this. Very much like creepy family dramas. That's like very much in my wheelhouse of movies that I Mm -hmm. enjoy. So I don't know if I will ever watch it again. Like it it feels to me kind of like a one-time experience in a similar way to a stage play where you just, it's something you just sit with and feel for a Mm -hmm. bit. So I did like that about it a lot. What do you think of The Humans? I think that's why I really liked it is because I love going to plays on Broadway And that feeling Mm -hmm. afterwards where you're like, wow, I really need to think about this. 
because that's how I felt. It's like, mm-hmm. I want to go see the play, not tomorrow, but you know, if it came out in a couple months or years, I would be like, yes, I need to see this. I think it does an amazing job of tackling the family dynamic and all of the relationships. Each character has so much trauma and seeing how each of them manages that and how they share that with each other, I think it's fascinating. I love the actors. The star of the movie is Beanie Feldstein. She was my favorite. I love Beanie. To me, it was Richard Jenkins. I feel like like I always wanted to know more from him, and he had this... I mean, he's good in everything, but here, I think this is a really tricky character to play. You have to like gain trust in your audience, and this character is like inherently someone who you think about like this is like a typical like Scranton, Pennsylvania dad, mm-hmm. but there's like so much under that. Like, where is his fear coming from? Like, why is he so jumpy? Why does he have these attitudes? And I think it takes a special kind of actor to get you on board for that, and also to be able to slowly share those mm-hmm. things about the character. To make it believable. I would say him and I really love Jane Howdy Shell. I thought she was great. I think the humor in the movie, a lot of it, at least for me, came from her character, especially in the beginning. And yeah, Beanie. I mean, they're all yeah. good. Steven Yoon. Amy Schumer, too. Like, when you hear Amy Schumer is going to be in a movie, there's like the same thing that comes from when you hear Tiffany Haddish is going to be in a drama. They're such strong comedic actresses. Mm-hmm that you just wonder how they're going to play in a different genre. And I thought she was great. I agree. There isn't a bad actress. Even June Squibb, who doesn't have like a real script. I love what she's doing. And everyone feels so real and honest. And that's why it worked for me. Like feeling that angst at the Thanksgiving dinner table and everyone moving around. I feel like everyone can relate to that, that holiday stress. In a way, right, it's like the perfect Thanksgiving release. I mean, we talked about, like, go see King Richard with your family on Thanksgiving, but this really is that, like, deeper Mm -hmm. cut Thanksgiving release, I think, especially because it actually revolves around a Thanksgiving. But the other thing I really liked about it is that while you could tell it was a play at one point, it, I think, earned the film adaptation. Stephen Karam, I think, like, rose to the occasion this felt cinematic to me Mm -hmm. and definitely proved that there was more to the story to tell using cinematic techniques like sound design, like cinematography, like blocking and almost making the apartment feel like another character Mm -hmm. to feel like certain things that were happening in the apartment were affecting the people in the family, but also almost like the family was affecting the apartment. It was very Mm -hmm. interesting. I really liked that. I totally agree. Yeah. So would you recommend this movie? Yeah, I would recommend it. I don't think it's necessarily like an enjoyable watch. Like it can be a tough sit. It is pretty heavy at Mm -hmm. times. So just go into it knowing that. But yeah, I wholeheartedly recommend. I think it's really good. So would I. I love how it plays with different genres. You mentioned scary. It's also really funny and profound. Like it leaves you thinking about this for a while. And there's really not a bad moment. It has a great runtime and it's efficient at what it's trying to say. I really liked it. So I started out by saying this has no Oscar potential. What do you think? I feel like this was high up on people's lists, especially early on in the season. Mm -hmm. But do you think this has any Oscar potential? I don't think so. I think it's almost too bizarre of an A24 movie. Everyone was screaming Richard Jenkins. Yes, he's going to win. Mm-hmm. And after this movie, like, yes, 
he has a great scene where he's doing a lot by not doing very much. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that's enough. Yeah. I think the Academy, someone who wants something showy in Hollywood, they would choose J.K. Simmons in being the Ricardos over Richard Jenkins. I also have J.K. Simmons in that category right now and not yeah. Richard Jenkins. So I think Richard Jenkins deserves it. But this to me feels so much like Indie Spirits Critics Awards mm-hmm. and not industry, sadly. I mean, maybe he can get in for Nightmare Alley. I don't know. Oh, Nightmare Alley. God, I keep forgetting about it and I shouldn't <laughs> forget about it at all. It's just going to come surging in. <laughs> so if you could give this movie one Oscar, what would it be? I think I'd give it best cinematography for how it manages the apartment space, making us feel really on edge, but also making us laugh in the next beat. That's a good one. I would choose best sound. I think this is my favorite sound design of the year. I think I've said that a couple of times. Like I've said that with Dune. I've said that with No Time to Die. But I love the sound design work here. It really was the element that blew me away. There were unexpected jump scares in this family comedy. And I appreciated that. I thought it was really, really creative. Okay, so our last movie we'll be talking about today is Tick, Tick, Boom. Description here, based on the autobiographical musical by playwright Jonathan Larson. It's the story of an aspiring composer in New York City who's worried he made the wrong career choice while navigating the pressures of love and friendship. It was directed by Lin-Manuel Miranda, and it stars Andrew Garfield, Robin DeJesus, Vanessa Hudgens, and Alexandra Shipp, and many more incredible cameos Mm. that I loved. I saw this at the Paris Theater, and... There were a ton of big Broadway fans there. I saw it the day mm-hmm. it came out. So a lot of the people there, I think, were huge Broadway fans. And anytime there was a cameo, they would, like, clap and cheer. <laughs> it was amazing. I feel like it was, like, the perfect viewing experience for it. So I really enjoyed it. What did you think of Tick, Tick, Boom? I really loved Tick, Tick, Boom. I think as Lin-Manuel Miranda's directorial debut, this is phenomenal. There is so much energy and He's capturing that spirit of Broadway really, really well. The music is great, and I think it's easy to connect with the story. Andrew Garfield does a great job embodying Jonathan Larson and navigating the turmoils of everything he's going through. And there were certain elements that really brought me to tears, and I liked feeling everything it was giving me. Yeah, I really liked it. I was a little scared when I saw it was Lin-Manuel Miranda's directorial debut. I don't mean that in a mean way, just that I thought it was going to just be a lot. Mm-hmm. I thought we were going to get like a lot of flashy editing. I thought we were going to get some like really unique choices. And I feel like he kept it like pretty grounded to the musical. And it felt like the story that Lin-Manuel Miranda would want to tell about Jonathan Larson. And I love that he trusted Andrew Garfield in this part. I describe Andrew Garfield's performance as Jonathan Larson as similar to Tom Hulse as Mozart in Amadeus. I feel like they're sister performances, really. I feel like Andrew like gets his essence just right, and it's incredible that he had never had a singing role before, and uh-huh. Lin-Manuel Miranda just like trusted him mm-hmm. to do that, and Andrew had said like he had wanted to sing, but was you know, it was something he'd never done before, but wanted to try. And I feel like he gives a great performance that just kind of anchors this movie. And while I personally find this character to be very frustrating at times, I was kind of always with him. Mm-hmm. And he is relatable at times. I feel like this is a very New York mm-hmm. movie. 
too. I love how they show the city and just that struggle of him turning 30. I'm getting close to turning 30. It's like scary to me. So (laughs) I feel that's very relatable. I connect with all of those things and that's part of why I really liked it. But he makes it easy to understand his character and believe in him and... Going to the diner scene, which was my favorite in the movie, loved all the cameos, like seeing one after another just keep coming. Amazing. And then the way they bring down the front wall and everybody comes out and is dancing and singing. I think, you know, that's part Broadway musical, just part great scene direction. And I think it goes between drama and musical and comedy really well. You know, comparing it to Encanto, I think the music here is just great. I really liked a lot of the songs here. Did you have a favorite song from it? I don't know of one in particular. There are a few, like obviously Sunday, that's the diner scene. But even the beginning with 3090, I really liked. Mm -hmm. Did you have one? I really love Come to Your Senses and how they set it up in the movie with Alexandra Shipp and Vanessa Hudgens. I feel like that was a really good moment, and that's like that song that he's trying and trying and trying to write mm-hmm. the whole time. So I like when we finally get to that point, and it it's a nice payoff because the song is really good. I also love Boho Days. I love that part when they're at the party in his apartment. Yes. Um, that's the one. That's great. Yeah. It's like a such a good New York mm-hmm. scene. That's the part from the trailer that I get stuck in my head. I'm just singing mm-hmm. Bohemia like on repeat. So would you recommend this movie? I would recommend it. I would recommend it definitely to people who love musicals. I'm sure like a lot of people who love musicals have already seen it, but it is on Netflix, so it's really easy to watch if you have Netflix. Even if you don't like musicals, I feel like this is tolerable compared to some of the other ones. Mm-hmm. Um, there is like a really good story at the center, and I think you know everything that's going on at that time. I would also really recommend it to anybody. Yes, Broadway people, Mm -hmm. but also people who don't really love musicals. What was different for me here, like during Encanto, when they were queuing up a song, I was like, oh gosh, here we go, another song. (laughs) But here it's like part of the narrative and it really works. So then Oscar potential for this movie, is Andrew Garfield it? Do we have more? I think Andrew Garfield is the big one. I'm so curious, I think, especially for this movie to see what happens with the Globes. I think that he could easily win mm-hmm. actor in a musical or comedy. Maybe Leonardo DiCaprio can get him, but I don't know. I feel like it's hopefully his to lose. I also really hope he gets into Best Actor. I think if he's in Best Actor, like picture so in flux right now, I do feel like it could get into picture, but it would just be hard with like nothing else to get in Mm -hmm. there but i'm hopeful i mean with all the musicals we've had here if we don't have any getting in or just west side story like it feels kind of weird to me well i feel like west side story is getting in Mm -hmm. so i guess having two musicals in there is not likely but i do have tick tick boom in my 10 spot right now i think also the legend icon hero stephen sondheim Mm -hmm. just passed away there's a great part with stephen sondheim in this movie I'm not going to spoil how that plays out, but I feel like I could see the industry really connecting with that. And this is a year I think we should spend the rest of eternity celebrating Stephen Sondheim, but this could be a way that people choose to do it. I love those scenes with him. So if you could give this movie one Oscar, what would you give it? It'd be really hard. I mean, if I'm thinking of like, what's the Oscar I would give this movie? 
not necessarily considering other categories, I guess, mm-hmm. it would be Andrew Garfield's for Best Actor. Mm-hmm. That's what I would give it to. So if you want to check out any of these movies right now, Encanto is in theaters and will be on Disney+. Plus. House of Gucci is currently in theaters. The Humans is in theaters and on Showtime. And Tick, Tick, Boom is on Netflix. Next time on Oscar Wilde, we have, I think, just an incredible crossover event. We are going to be celebrating the 60th anniversary of West Side Story and also covering the new West Side Story by Steven Spielberg with our dear friends, Connor and Dylan McDowell of the Drama Podcast. We are so excited for this one. We've been planning it forever, really. (laughs) I think this is a great movie to do that for. And I'm excited to talk with them to learn so much about this Broadway production and how they took it from stage to screen. I also ended up seeing the West Side Story production and previews before COVID. So I'm curious what they Mm. think about that and seeing how they feel Spielberg fits into that. It's going to be a really fun podcast. I can't wait. I'm so excited. It'll be a lot of fun. If you like our show, please rate, review, and subscribe. And you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Oscar Wilde Pod. Things are really, you know, ramping up right now for award season. We're going to be very busy, have lots of stuff coming out for you guys. And award season fantasy draft updates with all of our points that are coming in. Yeah, lots of content. And I'm excited to see how this draft starts out. Who's going to be in the lead? Thank you all for listening. And we will see you next week. Thanks, everyone. See you next time. Thank you.